What's up, guys? Welcome to Free For All Podcast, your source for the all things geek. I'm your host, Evan Swafford. With me, as always, Chuck Nally. Hello. With me, according to Skype, but not on screen, Josh Barnett. Hey. Thank I, you. I, I actually can't see him now, either. I think Josh is doing this. I'm not. It's <laughs> just infected all of Skype. People everywhere are like, what's happening? <laughs> Y'all really can't see me? No. They're going to contact... Wait! Josh Face! You're just a dot on my screen right now. You're a dot on my screen right now. Alright. We'll be dot bros. <laughs> yeah, th- 3D dot bros. <laughs> Is that yeah. a game? I always wanted to play it. 3D.Heroes on the PS3. Oh. Speaking of video games only, I recently told the story to Eric about the time we played the uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands beta and Chuck turned into like an 80-foot rubber band man. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty great. <laughs> I found I still have video of that shit on my Xbox. Really? Me too. It's so yeah. good. Yeah, it's just saved to my hard drive. <laughs> That's funny. I looked at it the other day, and for some reason, random plays on Madden, like, 17. It's because it automatically saved it, and it was the worst. You couldn't turn off the feature. It just was, like, gameplay saved. I was like, God, I have, like, six gigs worth of fucking Madden highlights that aren't even good. It was like a five-yard pass over the middle. It's, like, saved. (laughs) It was horrible. Uh, All right. Video game show rolling on. Make sure to check out the first two shows. We're, we talked about all the uh, recent video game conferences slash directs slash whatever the fuck it is. COVID sucks. Um, and uh, some news. Uh, but now we're going to talk about what it is we're playing. And one thing I want to know about Chuck, tell me about Forager. Well, uh, they were banned in the 80s. Uh, pretty good. Um, oh, 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 sorry. Excuse me, we don't need no damn foragers here in America, okay? <laughs> uh, Forager is essentially a cross between Minecraft and Stardew Valley. Um, there's farming and exploration and uh, like mining, like tearing down rocks to get ores so you can build better shovels or house or weapons or whatever. Uh, you can dig in the ground and plant things, but it also every once in a while might dig you up some coins. Uh, you can melt down iron ingots or gold ingots, make coins, and then use those coins to buy land expansions so you can build a house. Um, there's uh, when, whenever you do build land expansions, it does open up other things besides land. Like uh, there's a guy that'll give you quests on this one. that has got this big fucking tree and like this look pretty much everybody I know would hate this game. Uh, <laughs> the only it reason sound like a game for me. No, yeah. you would loathe this game. As a matter of fact, you'd play both of you guys would play five minutes of this and then quit. Uh, Josh, maybe 10 minutes because he likes Stardew Valley. I don't like Stardew Valley. You like games like that. (laughs) That feels like an attack. It is. Oh, you know who would like this? Eric. 
Eric likes yeah. stupid bullshit games like that. Yeah, like fucking Animal Crossing and shit. Yeah, that idiot. That piece of shit. Yeah, he's not so we can talk shit about him. Yeah, he's ugly too. Go get your son. Let's get him to make fun of Eric. Oh, that would be brutal. Let's not do that. The <laughs> <laughs> kids are super mean. True. Uh, <laughs> especially when they're like 17 years old and they have had access to YouTube for the past 10 years. Uh, yeah, let's not do that. Christ. What? I'm sorry. I just saw the most terrifying idol I've ever seen. I'll text it to you guys. Continue. I'm sorry. I really did. That was a real response. <laughs> I, I must know. Go oh. on. There's not much more to it than that. The only reason I play is because Freeman likes watching me play, uh, and he don't want to play it himself. He do, he likes watching people play games more than he likes playing it. Even though we've had a lot of fun playing. Minecraft Dungeons and Sea of Thieves together. And I, I, I guarantee we're going to have a great time playing Grounded. But, um, yeah, I mean, probably pass for most people, but it's a pretty fun little game, I guess. What are you laughing at? Josh's face. <laughs> he saw what scared me. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's amazing. Where did you send it? The group it's, me. It's the, to the group me main group. Oh, shit. It's so great. What is this for? I don't know. Awesome finger puppeteers, man. That thing is officially called the Handy Squirrel. <laughs> it's got to be some kind of sex thing, right? Yes. Is the answer to that. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's totally. It's Archie McPhee. Known sex fiends. That thing's going <laughs> to store your nuts for the winter. <laughs> oh, man. I don't want that thing. <laughs> he makes a long list of terrifying looking kids products. And a lot of them go on your fingers. I don't like it. Anyways. Uh I won't play Forger, so I don't vote for it for worst game of the year because that sounds terrible. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what worst game of the year is going to be. I need to look at my games and see if there's any that I hate right now. I don't think I've played a bad game yet. So I need to play me some uh, Game Pass games that just and find a real shitty one so I can vote for that. Impossible uh, on Game Pass. They're all great. Pikuniku isn't all that good. What did you just say? <laughs> it sounded racist. It sounded real racist. It sounded like racist against... I can't even say it because that makes me racist. But Yeah, it, don't do it. <laughs> I mean, I think my least favorite uh -huh. games of the year so far are Doom Eternal and Giant Silent Bob Marlboro. <laughs> oh, that should be it. Doom Eternal's a good game. I, I liked it. I played the whole thing. It's just like... I liked Ori more, Final Fantasy more, Streets of Rage more. Oh, Dreams. But, like, Dreams is not a worst game of the year candidate in any way. Like, it's really cool what you can do. It's just not for me. Minecraft I like more. Maneater I like more. Last of Us more. Iron Man more. Ghost more. Yeah, I... It's very interesting. It's been an interesting year so far. Haven't really gotten any shitty ones. I've played 11 games, though. I need to play more. Well, let's talk about one me and you were playing. Um, let's talk about Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, goes to Tsushima. Uh, Chuck, are you are you planning on playing this at all? Potentially, 
Uh, yeah. so, spoiler, because I'm only like six, seven hours into it. Um, it is a... To me, it would be what's considered like the highest tier Assassin's Creed game. This um, game... Assassin's Creed. It's better than other than Assassin's Creed, but it's it's a hundred percent an Assassin's Creed yeah. game. It's like Assassin's Creed mixed with a slightly more like Sekiro style combat, but nowhere near as punishing. Um, although it is getting an easier combat mode uh, patch, I think went out yesterday for it. I had to download something new, um, but this is like a good story, not an amazing story. Um, a beautiful world with like really fun. In my, in my opinion, like everything about this game is on presentation, world lore. Uh, you know the way that you interact with the world. All the collectibles I think are fun and have value to them. And it's like maybe the most fun I've had in a long time. Just like being able to turn on a podcast if I really wanted to and just clear out shit in the world. Um, my only real quote-unquote complaint is I just don't really resonate super hard with the story, which normally is a big thing for me. Um, they really push this honor narrative throughout the entire game that I just personally don't care that much about. No honor. Yeah. Well, let's speak about that because I really thought, and I'm actually glad it didn't, the way they, every trailer we saw something about honor, and I was positive we were going to have like an honor meter or something like that and it is sucker punch so that was totally a possibility yes and we were gonna have like you play you know every time you assassinate someone instead of just calling them out and facing them man to man that your honor goes down and there were consequences for that i didn't want that so i'm actually really glad but it also makes how much they focus on your honor in the story but you don't you can go out and then slash away at anybody you want behind their back and no it's just kind of it's a weird mix it doesn't really bother me the story's generic uh it's it's nothing to me uh, it's not bad it's not good it's something you've heard before yeah uh, it's, just a, it's just a thing like the story is like not i think they could do a really cool story in this game but it is not the selling point the, the like beauty of this game is the selling point in terms of like just the moment to moment gameplay and the the constructed world they've made the gameplay is fun i'm coming around on the gameplay a little bit the combat i don't find difficult i just i don't know if i like really love it i think it's good um, I think it's a good version of what a, of a lot of Assassin's Creeds have, and there's a lot of Assassin's Creed. I, um, I don't think graphically it's good. It's not amazing. Um, I think the art direction is really fucking good. It's a beautiful game to look at, but there's a lot of I had a lot of glitches and all that. Uh, and uh, it's not the most polished game I've ever played, which usually is not an issue on a first party title, but it. It doesn't hinder it too bad. The only thing I've really gotten annoyed with is there's a lot of clipping issues for me personally, which is another Assassin's Creed issue usually for me, just in the way they do traversal with the person. Yeah, I haven't run into any clipping stuff. Um, I, I think because of your freedom to kind of go anywhere, I noticed it a lot early and maybe less later in the game, but like there's a lot of kind of weird jank with the traversal. Like you can kind of go wherever you want, but that also means that like... If you're walking along the edge of a cliff, the game doesn't let you just freely walk off, but you can kind of push off in the direction enough to where your character like does a weird leap. 
and will just yeah. leap to his death and it looks goofy or your horse will willingly jump off any distance of height and just fall right. to what would seemingly destroy it in a horrible bloody explosion but he's right fine gets right back up again um like it's a little janky that way but i think it was just in the service of kind of the go anywhere do anything like nothing is really ever blocked off uh there are some areas in the second and third act that like you'll approach and it's basically says like you know caution you are approaching like overwhelming enemy power and basically it just lights you up with arrows um to where you couldn't possibly live so you like you're only supposed to go there during story missions but um to me i think the game is gorgeous it's really hard to follow up last of us part two with this game when you're trying to talk about graphics like the world in this is serene and wonderful and yes you're right art direction wise beautiful but i also think fidelity wise is great character models are nowhere near what they are in last of us and realism isn't what it is in the last of us but i still think this game is flat out gorgeous this game graphically looks a lot like fallout 5 to me uh from the character models to the way the world is which is a pretty game don't get me wrong i i like the way fallout 5 looks but just the way the art direction is done in it it's very similar this has an even better world and i like fallout 5's world um but it, graphically it's very similar to me i don't mean that to say that it's bad it's just not top tier graphic which is a lot of times what gets pushed on like sony exclusive on stuff yeah i've got the same right. question chuck does <laughs> are you meaning yeah. to say fallout 5 no i'm sorry far cry 5 i'm okay, sorry i wasn't sure if you were meaning fallout 4 or far cry 5 no far, far uh, fallout 4 is not uh like known for its graphics uh uh in certain ways but uh no i meant i'm sorry i meant uh far cry 5 uh yeah. it reminds it's reminds me a lot uh of the design of that um the the still main point for this game to me is the world the world is super cool i was very worried that it was going to have the horizon effect on me of just overwhelming amount of stuff to do and i may get there but this one feels fun in Horizon. It was my one gripe. It was, I felt there was a lot of force stuff. Um, and this one, I, it's a problem because of my time constraints, but I will be like, hey, I want to go here, and I need to run across a quarter of the map, but it's going to take me 12 hours because I'm going to stop and do 100 things on the way, but it doesn't feel like I'm being forced into them. I just run across cool things in the world that I want to explore, and to me, that's very, very good. It is... Probably a top five open world for me to explore uh, of this generation, I'd say. To me, this is the game that most feels directly influenced by Breath of the Wild in terms of like, it really is a pull up the map. And yes, there are question marks that you can see that are like events that you can go to and they'll actually be like a hot spring or a fox den or something like that. But you also can just kind of look at the map and be like, I bet there's something there and just put a waypoint and follow the wind and go there. And it, even though it's like completely in fog of war, you'll run across 10 things to uh, interact with and enjoy. And actually that is the one complaint I did have with horizon was I actually thought there wasn't enough interesting to do in the world. I liked the story and the combat of horizon, but coming out of breath of the wild where you could go to any part of that map, literally almost any part and find something deep in Zelda lore, a temple, a shrine, uh, you know, Korok seed, anything like there was so much to do and so much cool, like seemingly random shit that was in that world that going back to horizon after that, I was like, Oh man, 
there are these cool buildings, but they're completely empty. I can't even go inside them. I just see them as they're part of the set dressing. Um, I can go to all these missions, and these missions are fun enough, but there isn't enough to do in the world. This game is totally different from that. If there's something in the world that isn't just flowers or trees, it is interactable in some fashion, whether it's a haiku that you can write that gives you um, a cosmetic item or a pillar of honor that gives you sword kits. Um, there's always something to do in this world. Those haikus suck. Oh, the haikus are not good. <laughs> Um, I enjoy kind of being in the serenity of the world for a few minutes without, like, fear of running across a Mongol raid or anything like that and just kind of, like, looking at the world in a beautiful way. Um, the particle effects of this game are amazing. The wind is crazy good. Um, maybe one of my moments of the year is the title card. It's so fucking hype. Um, like, after the opening mission and you finally, like, you get resurrected or not resurrected but kind of brought back to health from yuna or whatever and then you get on your horse and you're riding to try and you know find your uncle or whatever and like you're running riding through the forest and the music starts to swell and then like slowly but surely you gain control of the camera but can't control your horse and like the music fucking hits right as you come out of the forest into this giant field of flowing white flowers and you like reach your hand down and automatically touch and then you're controlling everything and it says like sucker punch presents ghost of tsushima with the music like it was so like i was like fuck yeah this is the greatest thing i've ever seen i'm so hyped let's do this shit um they did a really good job of selling that it was pretty it was pretty pretty great i i i liked it a lot um like I said, overall, I, I'm really enjoying the game. I have a long way to go because I've I've honestly done. I've like cleared the entire east coast of the bottom part of the island, uh, which is because I just have enjoyed. I've only done like four story missions. Yeah, I did uh, little I story to... missions until I had like everything unlocked on the map, pretty much. That's like that's just how I've been doing it. I think I might finish the game before I finish um, Act Three's map, just because at that point. I'll know exactly what I need to do to kind of clean everything up. But I'm also going to turn off or finish the podcast and go probably play for like an hour and just run around the map again and try and get as much of it unlocked as I can. It's a good game. It's better than, you know, I had some worries about it going in. Uh, I very much enjoy it. Um, uh, it. It has some issues, like I said, but overall it's a very enjoyable game. To me, It's just, I think of it as, so far, the best Assassin's Creed game I've ever played. Uh, it's I think that's a very good comparison. It's a high-level Assassin's Creed game. Uh, um, it's oh, just got some technical go issues. I, mean, I was uh, going to say, they there's some wizardry going on between Last of Us and this game at the end of this generation. The load times are super quick. If you do decide... They had to make the load times worse for Ghost of... Uh, from what they originally had them rendered as. Yeah, they they made them longer so that the hints that they put text on screen can actually be read. That's how quickly it went through. But like literally, like if you do decide to fast travel, like I I literally went from the act act one area to the act three area, which is across two sections of the map, and it was I counted it was exactly seven seconds from fast travel to load. I've only fast traveled once, and it's because the game glitched me i swam out to an island to a shrine and i tried to explore too much and ended up halfway down the cliff <laughs> and i i jumped off and died and then it reloaded me halfway down the cliff and i was like well i'm stuck here 
I've twice run into a glitch where I had to close the game out completely and reopen it, where it was just like there was a, a story mission or a side mission that I was doing, and it was like one of those investigate the areas, and I found all the things I had to investigate, but I would like click into them, and he would like crouch down and look at it and not say anything and just like be stuck there. You couldn't back out or anything. You could go into the pause menu and fast travel, but as soon as you went back and hit that again, you couldn't interact with it. But as soon as I close the game out and load it back in, everything worked fine. I've um, a lot of little... My most annoying thing so far is when you go to someone that has, like, the three dots, like, ellipses for you to go talk to them. I go to speak to them, and their word, like, little thought word bubble is adjacent from their head. Oh, no. And I, I have to circle around them until all of a sudden it will snap back in and line up with them just right. And... Otherwise, I can't speak to them until I get it to line up. It does, oh, it's done weird. that to me like 10 times. That's super weird. Um, I will say two last things. I know we're going a little long on this. I apologize. The Mythic Tales are so fucking cool. Um, they're like the like Assassin's Creed 2, 3, and Brotherhood or whatever. Like They had really cool shit like this, too, where there was this like mythical high-level armor or, like, outfit that you could get that was, like, hidden tombs in the city or whatever, and you had to do, like, four or five missions to get keys and unlock and get there, and it was, like, one of those, like, cool endgame-type contents that, once you got it, very much like Horizon had that, too, it was, like, the super armor that helped you. This armor isn't, like, game-changingly good, or the weapons aren't game-changingly good, but it's really cool that they've got these stories and when you go and interact with them you meet a musician in town and he tells you like the fabled tale of and it's like straight out of a of a uh, samurai movie like he's playing the guitar or whatever that actual instrument is with his steel pick and he's like telling the story and it's giving you an oil painting and it's very much like the legend of pai mei from kill bill volume two um and then it leads you on this actual quest um and my biggest complaint with the game is they didn't give you, and I understand why they didn't, because it would be a lot of money to do, but they didn't give you lip syncing that matched up with the Japanese vocal track, which is why I switched from Japanese back to English, just because it looked weird. The The Japanese voice acting is great, and I was really enjoying it for like the first five to ten hours, but I just couldn't stand the fact that it, it looked like reverse Godzilla where they were speaking in Japanese but dubbed to English instead of speaking English and dubbed to Japanese, and it really threw me off. I could see that. It's a good game. I suggest anybody that's thought about checking it out, I think, should. I was a little uh, in between on what I would think about it, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it so far. Had Uh, had, had a good time. Yeah. Chuck, Desperados 3, your unknown passion that none of us knew about. <laughs> uh well to be honest with you um I didn't know about it either until um I read a article from Kotaku talking about it and they were gushing over it uh, and it wasn't even really a review it was kind of just like an article uh and then I read some stuff about it and um apparently you didn't have to know anything about the first two Desperados games to play this and I read a bit about the gameplay and it is very very XCOMs um but the levels are way bigger it turns out but I was like well I love XCOM and I, I've been dying for kind of a tactic style game and this one seems like it's real big on stealth I'll give it a shot it was um 30 bucks on sale I bought it and I played it and I really like this game it's very interesting it's a um isometric 
uh, top-down kind of Diablo style, but you can spin the camera, you know, 360 degrees, zoom in, tilt, and all that kind of stuff. Um, stealth is a big part of this game. If you get spotted, you will get overrun quickly. Um, and you can pick up new people and uh, play the levels with these new people, and they all have special talents. Like, one guy's a, a preacher that's got a sniper rifle that can hit people from, like, the other side of the map. Uh, Creatures are wont to do. Um, but the thing is, is if there's somebody around, um, and it's all like turn-based, and there are certain cooldowns on on stuff, um, that uh, they'll ring the alarm, and then just hordes of people will swallow you up, man. It's very difficult if you raise any alarms to finish that level, but. There is a quick save option on it to where you can just hit the uh, the menu button and then uh, and then reload it and it takes like fifteen seconds. So if you mess something up and you will a lot, um, then you can uh, then you can replay it, which is kind of cool. Uh, the main guy has a uh, a knife that he can throw for stealth kills, as well as a coin he can toss to kind of distract people. Um, there's a guy that you get who's just this gigantic Native American. He's like eight feet tall. And if he gets it within like, um, uh, grappling distance, he essentially cuts people in half with a hatchet. Um, right. uh, you have to hide bodies or uh, it'll raise alarms. Like there, there's a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, nuance to this game that uh, is incredibly refreshing. Um, this is like easily a, a top two or three game that I've played this year so far. Yeah, I remember we watched the trailer two E3s ago. I remember seeing it and being like, y'all should check this out. This looks really cool. It was like one of those like pre-conference e- like trailers that happens like in between shit in E3. I remember yeah. seeing it and being like, this looks cool as hell. And I'm glad that it seems to have like actually been good. I thought this was a Game Pass game, which makes me sad that it's not. It might be at some point, and I just wanted to go ahead and play it because there's not a lot of time. Like last year, there was a couple of games I wanted to play that didn't come out on Game Pass until like December, and I'm like, well, shit, I'm not going to be able to finish this by the time the awards show happens. So yeah, not by June. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm super happy. The the voice acting isn't great, and the story is just kind of there, but the the gameplay is so cool and fun that I just. I really enjoy. It. Oh, and that the my favorite part about this game is at the very end of the the level, and um, other games have done this before too, where it kind of shows you your path. Um, it like line like it'll show like this old west map, and then lines that you've done like, and if you have more than one person, uh, it'll like show where all you went, and if you stopped and then restarted, it'll show that too. Um, yeah, Breath of the Wild. It's really cool. It is cool. I love that in Breath of the Wild. When they introduced that later on, and I it like redid my whole like 115 yeah. hour levels. I was like, holy shit! I know. Shit. I was like, show me the 150 hours I did in this game, and I remembered like all of it. And you could watch it in like slower, fast motion. And then like I remember when I was like, fuck this! Now I'm gonna go to fast traveling, and it just you pop up everywhere on the map. God, it's it's. I love games that do that shit. I. I'm very happy your like 
pre E3 uh, trailer that sold you on a game worked out for you. Uh, I've been bitten on that twice. Uh, uh, I was once sold hard on Gravity Rush Two. Uh, um, <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh yeah, I bought that game. That's the first game I played of like 2018, I think it was. And people uh, love Gravity Rush. The core mechanic is awesome. Everything else about that game fucking sucks. Uh, and then the other one, my biggest regret was Vampire. <laughs> <laughs> you were so in on that game. I thought you were going to say Game of the Year Bound. Oh man, Vampire was not good. <laughs> that gameplay was so atrocious. Anyways, uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you like it, man. You've been like, you were like super hot. You're like Desperados is coming Thursday, and I was like, what? I was like, what the fuck is Desperados? <laughs> uh, but I did go. I watched the trailer, and then I, I was reminded of we uh, seen that a couple years ago. Um, and I did watch. Actually, I watched a little. Uh, uh, gameplay of some people playing it just to see what it was about. It looked cool. It does not look like a game that I play because I'm not much of like an XCOM guy. Um, but it does look cool. It looks fun. I, I think I would enjoy playing it for a couple nights, and I'd I'd personally be ready to move on. But that's just it speaks more to my taste and not the uh, style of game or the quality of the game. Anyways, it look it does look cool. I like the top down of it. It's, it's kind of interesting on the way it's shot like i saw them like flip the camera like you were talking about and i was like oh that was really cool yeah uh all right talk about the last of us too chuck has not played this yet because of said desperados yeah for real what do you well doing? that and um my son trey has been wanting to go back and play you know some m-rated games and he beat Bioshock, Bioshock 2, and Minerva's Den, and now he's on Infinite, and uh, I've been watching him play that, and it's, I forget how great that game is, but I've had so much fun watching him play back through that. We've done that for like four nights now, so. Oh, uh, he did cool. beat um, Dishonored in one sitting, though. What? Yeah. Jesus, man. No. Weeks. <laughs> I know, me too. He's. He's just—I mean—he's a kid. He's better at video games than I am. What can what can you say? And apparently you. So, um, very quite better. <laughs> yeah, he's already uh, beat, like one of the expansions too, and he's about to do that witches one. I don't—I I never finished that one. So, if he dishonored two in one city, and he's been awake for too long because that game is long. <laughs> but can he finish Man of Medan? Not on PlayStation. <laughs> all right i'm just gonna uh, go ahead and dip it's pretty, pretty cool but hey how did he like bioshock he loved bioshock and the 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 twist with andrew ryan and atlas and all that he loved he liked a lot of the mechan the gameplay mechanics in uh dishonored t or uh bioshock 2 a lot uh where you get to play as a big daddy um uh but the, he same thing as almost everybody else. The story wasn't nearly as good. It kind of fleshed out the lore of the first one a little bit more, but that was it. Uh, he loved Minerva's Den because it had all of the gameplay aspects of two, but a really good story. And he loves Infinite so far. Like he, he, great. 
Infinite is great. He'll get on those rails and just like be giggling because of how fast he goes and jumping from one side to the other, knocking guys off. He 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 has mastered the undertow tonic where just he's just like grabbing people and throw you know the like the water tentacle. Yeah, like, I used to like yeah, throwing like them off. So yeah. Cool. I'm glad he likes it, man. Every time uh, uh, Songbird comes, he's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Fuck Songbird. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to dip. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. See you, buddy. Bye. Uh, All right. The old God, man is Ed gone. Gone. <laughs> uh, so. The Last of Us 2 is a game. Uh, you adore Last of Us 1. I, I like Last of Us 1 quite a bit. I don't have the same love for it you do, but I, I did really like it. How did, this, how did the sequel stack up for you? Um, so, yeah, Last of Us Part 1 is was my favorite game before ever before... Uh, Breath of the Wild came out. Um, I just really resonated with the story. Naughty Dog has always made games that I really, really love. Story-wise, adventure-wise, like, they just, I, their mechanics work for me. Um, and I think they're, like, developer of the highest tier. Um, I think Last of Us Part Two is, in every way, a better game than Last of Us 1. Um, that I may slightly still have an affinity for one more than two um i i I honestly kind of waver on those two i really have just kind of dove head first into part two so much so um and like absorbed every aspect of that game so much and i love the story um that i actually think i do like it more than than the first one okay so this is a hot take from the podcast because the world would not agree with you but I think easily, and because, I mean, a lot of times this will do it, seven years helps in development. <laughs> yes. In every way, it's a better game when it comes to gameplay. It, it just all around is. And I get, you know, it can look better because graphic. it's seven years of technology yes. later. Um, it's just improved game. The combat's better. Every, every, the stealth is done better. Everything is done better outside. I do think, while I think where this is where people will kill us, I think the storytelling is incredibly good. Uh, into I do think it's tighter and a more poignant and resonating story in one, and that's why one will always be viewed ahead. I do think one was better. This doesn't have, uh, if we didn't say it before, this is full spoilers because uh, Josh has been waiting for a while to do this on air. <laughs> Since the um, second day the game came out. Person, <laughs> I finished like what five days ago. Finally, um, yeah. I it doesn't have as many poignant moments and as relatable moments because everybody almost can relate in some way to Last of Us One. Um, that doesn't make this a worse story. It makes it a different story. It's just not as wide reaching. And this is taking out all of the people that don't like it because of any representation and stuff. That just doesn't even matter to me. Yeah. Like those, they, they, their opinion doesn't count to me. <laughs> um, 
Because I mean, that's stupid. You can, you know, if you have religious beliefs or whatever, also you can still enjoy a well-told story, and it and, no, and no, nothing's really shoehorned in on that on that uh, front. Um, it's a very good game. It's a very good story. I would rank the first story as more relatable and probably more poignant, so I get why it would still be viewed as a better game historically, but this is... In almost every other way, and maybe even some aspects that way, a better game. Yeah, so the way that I liken it to is, like, to me, I feel like Last of Us Part 1 is a more concise story and thus tightly written. Um, But the actual quality of writing in 2, in my opinion, is better. That doesn't mean that... Not look clearly not everybody's going to enjoy where the story goes, but I think my biggest frustration with the uh, anger surrounding this game, the vocal minority who's just become a very vocal minority, because the most the majority of people who play this game, like everybody I know who's played it, loves it. It's just the people who have made their mind up about it based on leaks and not being able to let go of expectations and other things, and that's not to completely diminish anybody who had issues with the story. Um, but it's when somebody starts to say it's bad writing that I think is it's laughable that that's the case. Uh, to me, they made a story that is just as real life and real world as can be in a post-apocalyptic uh, apocalyptic good God post-apocalyptic zombie universe, right? Um, right. But the way they told the story, the um, showing you both sides and the going back and kind of replaying all of the three days in Seattle and the decisions made the characters, like everything to me felt better in this one. But yes, the more heartfelt stuff exists in the first one. Um, The first one is very closely related and very closely following the mold of like Cormac McCarthy's the road. Um, And so because of that, there's already kind of the groundwork laid out for that. And you can kind of follow a lot of those story beats and they do such a good job of introducing these two characters that, you know, are the worlds apart from each other forced together through circumstance and develop a huge, you know, a unbreakable bond, basically the surrogate daughter to Joel, um, that it's totally understandable why somebody would be so invested in those characters that, you know, if anything happens the way they don't want, that they would have some sort of feelings about it. But to say it's bad writing is ridiculous. The world is set up in such a way that, like, they make these decisions, in my opinion, justified and believable. And they take the risks that I think they have every right and could have and should have taken Um and I think that's justified in, you know, Druckmann coming out and saying, despite all the death threats and all the other stupid shit, he wouldn't change a thing about this game. It's the story and the vision that he had. And I think that he should stick to it 100 um, percent. It's just a tighter story in one. It's a longer story in two. And some people have issue with that. And I totally understand that. For me, I just I ate it all up. So. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I can get not wanting the story to go where it could, but I don't think it was bad writing. And to me, in fact, it actually legitimizes the first game even more of what it does because it makes you think on a broader scale. Um, I get 
not wanting to play with Abby because she murdered Joel, who is this beloved video game character that we have deep feelings for because the first game was written so well. But you have to give them a chance because they do make you care about Abby. Ideally, that's their goal, and I think they do a good job of it, um, despite the fact that she looks like She-Hulk. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't think you have to despite that. People can have whatever body type they want. I wish I looked like Abby, to be honest with you. <laughs> To be fair, yeah, and it's sexist of me, but you, it's not feminine looking, but, and that's fine. That, that's and I don't mean to, I don't mean to call you out like that. By the way, that's not what I was no, saying. No, it's fine. It's just it's it's unsettling for me to see that, and that maybe that's an issue I should work on. But for me, I was like, whoa! It was just like, uh, but again, that I didn't think it was a bad choice. That was me. I was like, whoa, okay, um, and I got it. I mean, we talked about it several times. She's been driven by revenge for you know half a decade or whatever and uh so i totally get that um and clearly like the giraffe moment of this game was like the museum because we we got to go back and play and see what's going on with joel um what i thought was actually like kind of spaced out in between um to really get the full breadth of his story and i felt satisfied where we left off with joel even yeah. in like the almost almost in credits of we see that they did reconcile um, before the fateful day where he was killed. They reconciled the night before. Um, so the only uh, complaints that I think are like legitimate um, are, I do uh, think Abby goes on a bit too long. Um, that didn't really have bearing on how long it took me to be. I just have two small children. Um <laughs> But uh, I did think it felt a little drawn out, especially her first chapter. Like, finally, yeah. There was just some little things, but at the same time, I I enjoyed all of it. It just took forever. Um, and it took forever in a spot where you hadn't yet grown to love Abby, I think was my only issue of where it took forever to get there. Um, and then my other thing is, I think, They've talked about how originally they thought about making this more open-ended on and less linear. And you play that early on, and they talked about they designed that part of the world early on where you're riding the horse around Seattle. Um, and then they kind of made a decision to go away from it and not have more of that. It was a little jarring to get a taste of that and then go completely away from it. Um Small complaint because it was just such a weird flip of the game, and I actually really enjoyed that. I wouldn't have mind having more of that, but at the same time, I mean, they still gave me a damn awesome game behind it, just in a different style within the same game. It was just a little weird. Yeah, I think <clears throat> so. I, I I loved the open world. I loved the open world in Uncharted: Lost Legacy, which this very strongly like mirrors. Um, I think the thing is, is the way that that particular open world style and this universe work together is it would have had to have constructed a completely different and much smaller even though they could have made a big open world game um <clears throat> i don't think you could have gotten this kind of story out of a complete open world i think it would have felt weird and disjointed I think that when they were making the seattle part of it that's why we get the change because i think they realized that and they had made this awesome part of this game that they really couldn't go back on. And I, nor did I want them to, because it doesn't hurt the game. It's just a little jarring. I'm like, is that it with the horse? I mean, obviously with that horse, because that horse fucking dies. Shimmer, oh. no! That was 
probably my second biggest scare of the game because it is, <laughs> I mean, just out of nowhere. I almost woke up my children. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, it is real sad. I will like, yeah, it's just like I really do like the way that Naughty Dog does open worlds in small bits. Like, I love the you've got the map of Seattle and like as you're going to the world, like it, it, the thing that Naughty Dog does that I love so, so much in this game is like uh, a perfect example of that is they take their time on the little things that other games don't, right? Like, Ghost of Tsushima, we just spent, you know, forever talking about that, right? When you come across something in the world, it's just on your map. And, like, when you liberate a farm, it, like, you go into the map and it shakes a minute and then, like, a puff of smoke happens and, like, a fog of war opens up and you get a decent part of the map and there's maybe some question marks and shit there. This, instead, you go to a coffee shop in Seattle and you break the windows and you're looting and everything else. And then you find a an artifact, as they call them, but a collectible in the world. And it's a, a little story that somebody's written a, a note. And on it, it says, like, you know, check the safe at this place. The combination is blah, 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 right? Or, like, there's a hint to the combination. And then in the open world section, Ellie literally takes out the map and a blue Sharpie and, like, writes on the map. And then when you open up the map the next time, that location on the map is, like, scribbled in with, like, it'll say, like, WLF headquarters, question mark, or fuck Fedra fence or any of that. Like, it's so within the world. And, like, they didn't need to build in the mechanic of Ellie literally pulling out the map, writing on it. And then, like, when you when you finish it, right, when you collect everything in an area in that, Ellie pulls out the map again, and she's like, all right, I think we got everything, and, like, X's it out. So you know you've actually hit every collectible in that section. Um, It's such a cool design, but because of stuff like that, I just – I can't imagine having an actual Seattle-sized version of that and still have that level and attention to detail. I don't think and nor would I want us to necessarily ever get a fully open-world game from Naughty Dog unless they really were going to do, like, just a – like kind of more focused, less like not a 30 hour game, basically, or at least not a 30 hour story, maybe a 40 or 50 hour game. But the story missions themselves, it would have to kind of fall into the tropes or else. And the map, I think, should be smaller, like it should be a smaller section or, you know, something like that without it being the whole world, because otherwise it's just I can't see them keeping up the stuff that I love so much. That's so unique to open world games and making it as big as like a Grand Theft Auto. It would have to be in the style of what Red Dead Redemption 2 did, and which would a lot of people struggle with, to be honest, because you have to play a lot of that game to get the full breadth of the story. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, that's like a 60-hour story to play that whole thing because it is full open world, and I that is not for everybody. So, I mean, I totally get that. When I say open world, I didn't ever want it to be bigger than that section of Seattle yeah. that we played. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I just want... Minded more sections of that, but it was it was really fucking cool. Also, you, you talk about the notes, and they did this in Last of Us One. I fucking love those so much, and like the little how it pulls you into the world. I mean, as a I have to as a large fan of Remedy games, and <laughs> like uh, we talked about Quantum Break earlier, but also like Control. I love like building the world through like these collectibles you find and reading because I I get into that. And Naughty Dog does that as good as anybody. Yeah, time. Um, 
See, I love that shit, man. Um, uh, to me, like I think Remedy is like number one at world building, but it's like it's a lot. You got to do that. They do it on a much smaller scale on Naughty Dog, but it's poignant and it really makes you feel a part of the world. There's they do stuff. Like the main one was like Ishmael, I believe. In um, uh, last was one. There was a bunch of like good. Like a uh, very like you know, collection of like eight to ten notes that you would find in an area to tell the full breadth of the story, and it made me want to make sure I found them. Uh, yeah. I, I really enjoyed that, and I literally found every one of them, <laughs> every single collectible in that game. Um, to me, I think maybe my favorite one of those is like a, one of the smaller ones, but the couple uh, in Abby's section of the game that were in their apartment and kind of developed a friendship with their neighbors, but they never got to see them. And like, they were sharing supplies and, um, you know, the, the husband or the boyfriend or whatever went out one day and got caught and couldn't come back or whatever. Like that story was really cool. There was also a safe there and they were like, we made it, we made the safe combination, our two apartment numbers. And so you had to look at the apartment door and find that it was like three Oh four and three Oh five or something like that. Um, and like that, like, that was such a small story, but it was so lived in or like even the singular note um, in Ellie's section when you just got done with the hospital or not done with the hospital, but heading to the hospital and you break into a an apartment and you find a note. And it's basically like I was the guys talking about I was stupid. I shouldn't have you know taken the shortcut or whatever. They found me these whistles and like it was the first time you really met the Seraphites or the Scars and his pregnant wife, he was trying to get medicine, and he basically left them. He was like, if you find this, please bring the medicine to, you know, whatever it was, uh, Ashley or whatever. Tell her I'm sorry. I was stupid. Like, they – there's so much finality to those stories, and there's such a somber but, like, heartfelt way they write those notes that I think is so cool. And I love the the ones that are, like, four or five notes long that you find, but the the smaller, more contained ones I like even more. They were really good. Also, shout out to Night Dog on being able to crack safes without finding the codes. It was really I, a cool mechanic. I did it 90% of those safes. I didn't even like go looking for it. I was like, yeah, time to crack another fucking safe and just being able to listen I, to the clicks. I just didn't have many opportunities to because I'd almost always just found the code first, so I just knew oh, it. Okay. So even though like I would listen for it, but I, I couldn't separate the fact that I knew what number that's coming uh, on. Um all right, I don't want to like literally go through the whole story, but I would like let's progress through the game and yeah. kind of talk about it uh, because it, it just gives us some form. Because I, I do want to speak to the story. Um, yeah. So we open up uh, Ellie's and living with and Jackson, um, kind of on the outs with Joel. We're gonna you learn why going through, and she's going hunting. How many years later is this? Five? Uh, it's six years later. Six. No, four. Six. No, it's four years later. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I thought it was six going in. So we obviously open up. We very early on play with Abby, even though we don't really know what the fuck's going on. Um, and that leads into what's going on with Joel, who they are, him and Tommy are getting overran and. They help Abby out, they save her, and then we lead into who Abby is. Abby's there to fucking kill Joel. Um, How do you think all that played out? 
I have an unfortunate way of experiencing this because I did get spoiled by some of the leaks beforehand. Um, the thing that I read, which, again, we talked about this before, is the most predictable thing that could have come out of this game is that Joel gets killed. Um, but hearing that it happened and that it like knowing for sure it was going to happen, um, as soon as we met the Abby character and like you started getting some of her dialogue, I knew that was what was going to happen. Um, so it's it got telegraphed for me, which totally sucks. But at the same time, uh, th- I think they pulled it off really well. I think that they did a good job of creating somebody that you could easily hate because uh, if anything, like we talked about earlier, she doesn't conform to gender norms. Uh, she doesn't conform to uh, the look of a character that you would necessarily get behind right away. And she does the most heinous thing possible, which is attack our universally beloved father figure from the first 14 hours in this world. Um, and brutal. Jewel dies bad. Like yeah. it is it, it, a horrible she, way. She blows a hole in his leg and then tourniquets him so that she could fucking beat him more. And then just caves his skull in, in front of Ellie with a golf club. And like immediately you're like, wow, okay, this is a really interesting, but fucking angering story uh and like i can't believe they did that and i'm so sad and like the way the world reacted in universe to joel dying i thought was great um you know i don't want to always bring up the issues people have in the game but like when i think there's a decent counterpoint i would like to have at least an opportunity but uh people saying things people saying things like joel would never trust this group of people and would never just tell his name how why would he do that like it's one of the biggest complaints people have and it's so stupid Last of Us 1 at the beginning, Joel, would never do that. Last of Us 1, Joel, halfway through when he trusted two brothers, would do that. And specifically Last of Us 2, Joel, 100% would. There are examples pushed through the beginning of that game before you ever get to Abby that tell you that that's the world they live in. Joel is more comfortable now in the last four years than he's been in the 20 years prior. He has family. He's safe and comfortable in Jackson and has a life and a routine. But more on that, one of the first collectibles that you have to interact with in the game is a patrol log as Ellie. And if you read those patrol logs, there's examples in there of stopping patrols to to hunt infected to help strangers and bring them back to Jackson and ingratiate them into the world. Like they're literally, yeah, they're telling you that, Jackson is trying to bring society back and Joel is one of the leaders in Jackson because of his brother Tommy and because of Marlene and like all of that. So the idea that or not Marlene, sorry, um, whatever his wife's name is. I can't remember all of a sudden. I, was I think Marie, it's Marie or Marina. Marina. Like yeah. Um, but like because of that, when Joel, who literally just got done with his brother, fighting alongside this random person they found with no reason to suspect anything aside from the fact that she's fighting infected and had a gun and could have shot them at any point in time when they were working together. Yeah. They, they didn't trust fully, right? Because they get there and all of the people from Seattle, all the wolves are like, you know, do you need us to help you on saddle or anything like that? And Tommy's like, no, We'll keep them going. We'll get out of here as quick as we can. We just need to ride out the storm, right? They're not, they always are ready to go, but there's no reason for them to not say, you know what? Yeah, my name's Joel. This is my brother, Tommy. What could possibly go wrong by doing that, right? Turns out, real bad shit. 
But it's stupid to say that it's bad writing because Joel would never do that. Bullshit. Like, bullshit. You find comfort comfort and safety and you get a mindset of trying to understand, trust, and help people in the world and bring society back, you would absolutely do that. I agree. No, I, I, I really have nothing to add to that. I didn't even know that was an yeah. argument that was going Sorry, around. Sorry, I've spent a month and a half uh, ranting about how people who hate this game bother me. I'm trying to be open-minded, but it's really frustrating. No, it's fine. All right, so let's talk about we're broken up into two different Seattle day ones through threes. Obviously, there's a little bit of Ellie's out for revenge, so her and Dina, who are in a buddy relationship, leave out um, and head off Who after Tommy, who is already headed out ahead of them, um, yes. going off for revenge for his brother. Um, your, your thoughts, story-wise... And gameplay, if you want, outside of we've already touched base on the open world. Uh, yeah. What do you think of Ellie's part of uh, the Seattle? I thought Ellie's part was great. So everybody kind of going into this game was really worried if the tone of it in our current times was going to be too much. Um, it's a violent tale. It's a rough tale. It's a world that's been overtaken via virus and all these other things. And there's enough going on right now that people were a little worried that, like, man, maybe it's just going to be too much. Um, and Ellie's doing all these things that you don't want her to do. And and I had heard that beforehand, a lot of people talking in like their initial reviews about the decisions Ellie made and how they weren't, you know, super comfortable. I wish that she wasn't as violent or anything like that. And like, I found myself shocked and be, you know, take this for what you will. I was along the ride with her the entire way. Anytime she was chasing somebody down or, killing somebody that was involved in the, the murder of Joel or any of that stuff, I was 100% in. I couldn't wait to get to Abby and kill her. I couldn't wait to kill Owen. I couldn't wait to find Nora specifically because, like, that was the section they had shown in the uh, state of play, like, two weeks before the game came out or whatever. And so when I saw who she was early in the game, I was like, ah, yeah, we're going to fucking track her down. And I remember that that ended with you holding a gun on her and, I, I was in 100% the whole way on the revenge tale. I was ready to murder and kill everybody. Um, and I, I really liked the way that they kept that pressure up and still delivered really interesting, poignant moments and really interesting new characters. I know you're not the biggest fan of Dina. I love Dina and I love Jesse. Um, Jesse's my boy. Yeah. Right. Fuck Dina. <laughs> I love Dina. Um, I think that the relationship between Ellie and Dina to me feels uh, I, I'm a, I've always said this. I'm a super hopeless romantic um, love stories in general really get me uh, in media. And it's why Chuck is my favorite show of all time. It's why um, I really, really like related to Quentin and Alice in uh, the magicians and like how that broke me apart. Um, I really like their story, but they were able to get some of the poignant moments while still remaining very focused on her revenge tale. You really only got one or two moments in that first half of the game that felt like any sort of emotional respite. Um, the amazing take on me, clearly the highlight, <laughs> um, that scene broke me. But every time you picked up a guitar was just so wonderful. And like only that's a, that's an exclusive to the Ellie parts of the game. So much of the Ellie and, and Abby stories mirror each other, but that is exclusive to Ellie. 
I liked everything pretty much that happened in the theater as far as like storytelling. I always thought that there were some really good moments in there and there's a cool setting. Uh, I liked all that a lot. I like I, I like how much how different they made them feel. It's a small detail, but it's good because uh, Ellie's noticeably faster, but noticeably weaker. Um, whereas the best weapon in the game is Abby's fist when you're with her and she, like, you know, oh, when that's... she chokes someone, she can snap their fucking neck, but especially when you level up. Yeah. But I mean, the more you level up, like her momentum, like thing mechanic on which if you're in a group and you're just starting to land punches, if you level that up to like, uh, on the, on the skill tree to the, where like she'll continue it out and she gets stronger. She is a fucking brick shit house it's awesome oh, yeah it's great um but ellie has the best gameplay section in the game to me um and that is when she's trying to get a boat um and they're in the rooms of a mall and she's diving in and out of all the pools of water and appearing everywhere and just assassinating people like crazy it felt very Tomb Raider-ish to me, which is very Last high praise. Well, and Last of Us is a very is a considered a better game, but for me, like Tomb Raider style stealth combat is more fun to me. Just no question, what game's above the other? But for me, I like that style better. And that in that moment, I felt like a complete badass. And I was like, man, I love doing this. <laughs> uh, this game has way more jump scares than the first one I remember having. Um, f- fuck stalkers now. Just holy crap. People don't even remember they were in the first game because they were so different. They were so different and there was way less of them. And now there's a fucking room with more than the first game had. In it. <laughs> and sucked, by the way. I, it took five minutes for me to just to go in the room. I was like, I know it's about to happen, and fuck this bullshit. And then it was way worse than I even thought it'd be. Uh, God, it was awful. I'm such a pussy when it comes to are we that, talking I was about, terrified. Are you talking about the first time you run across the stalkers, or are you talking about an Abbey section? No, I am talking about the first time. That section, the woods is amazing and for Abbey. Uh, all those stalker. I'm talking about the first time you come across a stalker. You're in the basement of a building, and you have to go through this big open like office section. And it's really the first time you do combat against stalkers in this game. And there's like ten in there. Yeah, it's the uh, it's right after the convention center when you're heading yeah. to the hospital. Yeah, yeah I love that section, right. man. That that's like one of those weird, maybe only Josh gameplay moments. But, like, it put me in the mindset of living in that world so much. Like, there's the body right at the beginning where you first see the stalkers and they spread out. Um, that's got shotgun shells. And I was, I, the first time I played through that game, I was so conserve ammo. And you don't need to be that in this game. Even though you can only carry five or six shells or whatever at a time, the game will give you what you need. You'll be hurting for a little bit, but not a whole lot. And you'll have to use other weapons because you're never going to be completely out of ammo. Um, But I was really conservative with my shotgun shells initially when I first got it. Um, And I remember in that, I was like, oh, there are shotgun shells there, but I'm full. Um, So I'm just going to, I'm just going to move past it and keep going. And I got like halfway through that building 
and I ended up like having to switch to my shotgun for whatever reason. And I I love shooting kneecaps with the shotgun in that game. I love it so much, taking their leg out from underneath them and then going up and just destroying them. It's so satisfying. But I did that, and I immediately remembered I took a mental note of where shotgun shells were before. And once I cleared it out, I ran back there and got more. And it, I, I, I thought in my head, I was like, if I were in this world, I would go back for those shells. I know I'm clear back there already. I know I've made a lot of noise, but... I need those shells. I have to go back and get them. And I ran the entire way back and got them and got refilled again. And it was just like, it, it was such a, like, I, most people probably didn't experience that, but like for me, it, it, it immersed me in the world and in the story so much. I love that section, even though, yeah, those guys are scary and annoying. I was just terrified. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I can sneak through here. No, I can't. Oh, I can find them. Oh, no, 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 no. You could not you melee them. Skill. They will God, you can just, your listen mode or anything. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about listen mode. Do the I don't think it's cheating to me, but do the little sonar thing under the accessibility option. It is it's a game changer for you. It's yeah, so if you're, good. If you're trying to get collectibles and shit, or even if not, like I didn't even use the auto loot. I should have used the auto loot, but like the accessibility features in this game are so awesome and cool, and like. I went into the accessibility features of Ghost of Tsushima just because it was right afterward, and I was like, I wonder, is there, like, a colorblind mode? Because there's a lot of color stuff here, and I can't see all that necessarily. And, like, there's some cool stuff in there, but nowhere near the level of detail and, like, just crazy depth that you can get in, in this game. Um, but I think it's pretty safe to say, aside from the Take On Me moment, which we've talked about take on me more than enough. And I think we talked about it last year, last week as well, or two weeks ago, whenever Um, easily the highlight of Ellie's first part of her story is this game's like giraffe moment. It's the museum. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, let's talk about the flashbacks next, specifically Ellie's flashback. And then we'll end with Abby's flashback. uh, And if we go into Abby's section, Um, that, the the game does such a good job of progressing the relationship with Ellie and Joel. Um, it starts off at the very beginning of the game where you are playing basically right after Jackson when you get there. And Ellie clearly still doesn't trust Joel, right? Um, right. She not doesn't trust him, but knows that he's lied to her in some fashion. And she can't get that out of her head. She's still very hurt by that. He's trying to, like, he gets her a guitar, and he tries to tell her a joke, and she's not really into it. But by the end of that conversation, after he plays, you know, the the Future Days Pearl Jam song on the guitar and sings it to her and promises to teach her and first lesson tomorrow and all that, she's immediately by then already warmed up. Um, And then they progress with those flashbacks, and you're going through Ellie's emotional journey of remembering this only father that she had— her whole life basically um and the emotional journey that she had of trusting loving him having these amazing moments and then losing that trust and hating him for a very long time to eventual like you said at least partial the beginnings of reconciliation and they did such a good job with those flashbacks the highlight certainly being the museum and ellie's birthday and like just every 
aspect of that was just so cool. The way that they interacted with each other before you ever got to the museum or saw the dinosaurs or anything, like him pushing her into the water. And like, I immediately had tears in my eyes because I was like, oh, he did teach her how to swim. He promised to teach her how to swim and how to teach, you know, teach her how to play guitar. And she's literally practicing future days at the beginning of that scene. Then he pushes her in the water. And at first I thought that was when he was going to teach her how to swim. And I thought that would have been really cool. But instead it turned into you know, this birthday gift of, hey, here's a museum of, you know, natural history, and we're going to see these dinosaur bones. And then, like, the all the Jurassic Park references, um, and, like, Ellie climbing up on that T-Rex and saying, I'm on a motherfucking dinosaur, and jumping off into the water, and, like, God, it was just so heartfelt and awesome, and it's what Naughty Dog did so perfectly in the first game. And it's I'm so glad they decided to still include those moments in here. Um, and it made this thing of losing Joel worse because, man, they had a relationship and it was really good. And it showed that they didn't forget what happened in Last of Us 1. But that's also at the same time why people didn't like a lot of people don't like this as much is because they it's not the same type of game. It's not the same type of feeling, not the same type of dialogue. Um, and I think this is a more mature game it's a it's bold storytelling and it's where it had to go to justify there being a last of us 2 but i think those people just didn't want a last of us 2 uh really even if they say they did because this had to be this and but it did give you a look back of of naughty dog saying yeah i know exactly what it was and we we're showing you what what it's led to so I, i i also love that section um all the flashbacks were good, I thought. Um, we get into Abby's flashback, and it's a little jarring because all of a sudden Abby is younger. Abby is uh, more feminine-looking, less, way less muscles. Uh, and we and then we get a jarring leap into what we already suspected at that point, um, but see that she's back uh, at the facility where the where Joel killed all the fireflies and escaped with Ellie. Um to jump back into uh, Abby's story. Nothing like, I'm pretty sure everybody kind of saw what was coming there, but it was still really well done. Oh, yeah. I I recognized, and it's weird because, like, some people have tried to claim that they went back and, like, uh, racial or whitewashed the character, which is stupid. It, I never thought that, but um, I knew immediately who her father was. Like, immediately. And, like, you barely get a glimpse of him at the beginning of this game when they did the, you know, Ellie flashback when she um, finds out that Joel officially lied to her and that's what kind of split them for years. Um, But when, as soon as I saw her father's face in that moment, I knew, I was like, oh, he is the doctor that Joel killed. I remember that, like make that decision moment where in the first game, if you don't make that decision, you get killed, right? It wasn't actually a choice, but they made you feel like it was initially, but he's the doctor who holds a scalpel to Joel and is like, we have to do this. We, we have to, to save humanity basically. And you kill him. And I was like, Oh shit. Like you literally, you're about, you're, you're hating this character. Who's the same as Ellie. She's going after the revenge of her father dying at the hands of somebody like, that you don't know Joel killed her father. She killed Joel. And there's just a cycle of revenge going on. And it immediately 
I still was not in on the idea of playing a large section as Abby at that time. I was worried when you wake up in the football fe- in the football stadium and like you see the Wolves are such a big organization and they've got you know this training facility they've taken over this the um stadium and they go out on patrols with these dogs that you spent the first half of the game fucking hating. Um but it, like sure. there are these little moments you can pet them and you can play fetch with them and all that shit. But like just the very moment that I realized who her father was, I started to be like, Oh, I get it. Like, yeah, I, I totally get what this character is and why we're playing as her. I really hope they pull it off because right now I'm still freshly hurt from the idea of Joel being dead. And it's whether the, the, the boiling point of this game is whether or not you're able to be open to the idea of understanding Abby. I agree. I agree with that. Um, so we get into Seattle day one through three again. Um, I thought going in, I kind of figured out what was going on through some talking that uh, through friends of ours. But uh, I, as it first started, I really thought it was going to be Abby. We're going to experience it from maybe multiple points. I thought it was going to be Abby, maybe some Tommy uh, uh, and stuff like that. But it was it was all Abby. And I, in the end, I think they made the right choice. I was a little worried about that at first. But um, like I said, I, it could have been a little bit shorter, but at the same point, they had a lot of work to do, they knew, to make you like Abby. Like, even though, for me, I'm with you, I got it, like, immediately. I still didn't want it to get it, but I got it. I was like, they're the same person, just with different tales. Um, yeah. And uh, so, for, like, the, what they led into... I totally get where they went. And then it turns out, I mean, Abby's also, just from a gameplay point, Abby's really fucking fun to play with. Um, she had, like I said, I liked the part, you know, at the beginning of the day. So she's got Alice, uh, the dog, and I was like, oh, having already played, what happens to... Having already murdered characters? Alice. <laughs> I was like, I fucking murdered that dog, damn it. <laughs> Um, real quick, I mentioned this before. I watched uh, one of the, the Mario Maker streamers that I watch all the time, Grand Pooh Bear, um, played this whole game, and I watched almost all of it. I didn't watch. He like put out a like seven hour finale video instead of breaking it into hour long parts, just because people don't come to his channel for that content, so he wasn't getting strong views for it. But I watched like all of the individual parts leading up to that, and he was so attached to those dogs. He hated killing them in the first one, and. Um, he remembered the names and everything and like bear was the name of the one in the hospital. Um, and like when he started in the stadium and you meet Alice for the first time and like they, they pull out a dog. His first sentence was like, if that fucking dog is named bear, I swear to God I'm done because he remembered hating that he had to kill bear. Um, and then Alice is the dog, and he was all right, but, like, literally a minute later, you go into the dog pen, and Bear is there. And she's like, oh, hey, Bear, and you pet him, and you play fetch with him, and he was like, fucking no! And it just tears your heart out. Um, it was it was one of those funny moments, just, like, the, the thing that I love most, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but the thing I love most about Abby's story is it's not what I expected it to be once I realized that we were going to play as Abby. I thought what they were going to do was Abby just narrowly being on the fringe of all the stuff Ellie was doing. Um, right, I thought that, like, just missing her and all this stuff. 
Or, yeah, or, like, you know, Ellie's path was naturally taking her along the same path as Abby, and Abby knowing that this was all going on at the time, right? Knowing that she had chased down and killed stupid Scarface guy whose name I don't know about nor care, and chasing down and killing Nora, and, like, that the central crux of Abby's story was going to be who is this bitch and why is she trying to kill everybody or who is this random person? And it turns out that that's not what her story is at all. And it's her own tale and her own coming realization of like this group of people she's with are not necessarily like her friends are good, are good, even though they also partook in that horrible act, they're former fireflies, but like you have these relationships and you develop those relationships and she doesn't know about Ellie and some people have problems with this. Rob's biggest problem was that there wasn't really any connection between those two characters before the final showdown all that much. There's no like dialogue between them or anything. I think it worked, but I understand where he's coming from. The, Ellie and Abby, like Ellie knows about Abby. Abby doesn't know about Ellie until she's at the theater. She doesn't even right. know anybody's after all of them until she comes back and finds Owen dead and then realizes the theater is where this person is and goes there and recognizes her at that moment. And that's where she says, like, you wasted it. We let you live and you fucking wasted it. And like she's there to kill Ellie at that time. And I think it was such a swerve that most people don't even pick up on is like it, it bucks the expectations of what you thought Ab- Abby's story even was going to be, even when you didn't want to play it. And I thought that was so right. wonderful. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you 100 on that. That's never. I'd like it as a separate story for me because uh, Yara and Lev were essential to this game to make you care about Abby for her character progression. You had to play Lev. every single second with Yara and Lev that you did for her to have that. It was good storytelling. They're great characters. Um, it not only helped flesh flesh out Abby's character, it helped flesh out the world of Seattle. Um, and the Seraphite scars, whatever, in general, and give an insight on why we should even care about who these random people we're killing are. Also, it's badass the first time you face the Seraphites and a fucking arrow comes out of nowhere. Agree. Quick question for you. Because this, uh, this is a question that like I've tried to wrestle with as well, because like, I personally do not feel Abby's story went on too long. Ellie's story took me roughly 15 to 17 hours, and Abby's took me about 10 to 11 hours. So they're not quite even, but they can be very similar. And they both feel long. Um, I agree with you 100% that... Um, I agree 100% that you need every moment with Yara and Lev. But so my question is, of like the day one stuff, because I think a lot of the day one stuff is necessary too. Like, what would you have cut from Abby's story to make it maybe not feel like it goes on as long as it does? Most of the section of traveling from this uh, to the uh, from the stadium to the uh, first encampment or wherever it is, um, you get a little bit of context with that, or where they get ambushed. Um, I, most of that felt pointless to me. And then there was just like small vertical slices you can do here and there, but that's why I don't really detract from the game because yeah. it's nitpick. Uh, the only section that I felt really they could have established what that did elsewhere was the ambush and like the trek trying to get there. To me, it just, I mean, an hour of gameplay, maybe, uh, Eh, roughly an hour, hour and a half, maybe. Um, so yeah. I guess I, I could see where you're coming from there. 
So uh, you wake up in the stadium, and maybe instead of getting ambushed right out of the stadium and going right into another action scene in which you're then back in the city of Seattle, essentially, and fighting the Seraphites now, you're basically saying, like, what if the truck took them straight to where they were going to go? Um, which was the apartment or whatever where Isaac is, and you get the story about Owen, and then instead of actually going through the gameplay of trekking to the aquarium, it just almost cutscenes through to the aquarium, and then it starts and picks up there? Or you more quickly get to the Yara and Lev stuff, I guess. Get to Isaac's apartment, just cutscene, them driving, maybe a little exposition, the established group dynamics. Uh, Um less of time to get to the aquarium. It was a pretty damn good trek to get from Isaac's place to the aquarium. Um, That's the part where I think you could be nitpicky and cut here and here, but I really don't have a problem with how they did it. It just took a while. Um, It was good gameplay. I I also think it helped establish how to play as Abby throughout that part of it. Uh, the really the only part I think could just be cut was the fact that they got ambushed on the way to Isaac. The only thing that did was establish something that could have been established elsewhere, and that was like how bad things were between the wolves and the Seraphites. Yeah, it gave you a little Manny stuff and a little Mel stuff, but I, I guess I can agree with that. Um, basically, it would be like Lee, but I, I also can understand like you go through Chinatown or whatever, and you have that one building that has a million seraphites in it yeah. um, that like you have to jump across the chasm or whatever. Yeah. It just didn't feel super necessary to me. Like it's like at most it cuts two hours out of the game and that's for me playing slow, but I, I mean, I don't regret playing any of it. It just yeah. felt long for me. I don't know. Like, that's only like literally the ambush is the really the only thing, and then maybe like some small little bits here and there on from Isaac on the way to um, uh, the aquarium because uh, the aquarium's absolutely necessary. Um, and like I said, established us with uh, your partner whose name I can't remember, um, Manny. Yeah. Um, which I guess all that does is make it when he dies later on, it's more jarring, I guess, because you actually have some dialogue with him, but. Again, that's whatever. Also, he dies fucking hard. I think the only I think the only wolf that there's two wolves that I think and read into the subtext is this as much as you want. But like there's only two wolves that I think they didn't do a good job of establishing why I would care whether or not they were killed. Um, And that's Nora and Mel. I feel like Mel kind of became the ever present annoying character for the second half of the game. Sander um, hated that I killed a pregnant lady. Um, yeah, that sucked. And like Ellie's reaction to it was accurate. She fucking puked um, yeah, I would, and passed out. That was horrible. That yeah. was horrible doing that. And the whole time I'm watching her, I'm like, oh, you're going to die. It's horrible. Uh, but she, Nora, she sucked as a person. And Nora wasn't great either. I mean, there was just nothing to her, really. But I cared when Manny died. Like, and I hated Manny to begin with. And, and oh, the Scarface guy, I can't remember his name even, but he's such a minor character. But it felt satisfying as fuck to stab him in the face again um, and kill that guy. But, yeah, like, Manny, they really made me care about. Like, that, all the stuff in the stadium with Manny was great. And, like, 
when I saw him again the second time, right before he dies, essentially when when Tommy kills him, I was real sad when he got fucking shot so hard in the eye. Um, real, real sad. But they did a really good job of the majority of that crew, especially Owen and Manny. I think being the two, they really sold me on why I would like those characters. I'm with you. All right, so we skip ahead to the eventual showdown that we left off at at the end of Elio at the theater. I, that sucked trying to track Ellie down. She's too fucking fast. Uh, plus, you know, you don't want to attack Ellie. But I knew that they weren't going to have you kill Ellie. Yeah, God, like- if, they, if they had done that, holy shit. <laughs> we would oh, never shit. hear the end of it. No, I don't. I, people would like firebomb Naughty Dog headquarters <laughs> if that had happened. Yes, they uh, I did think that when she left, because I was like, I don't really know how they're going to do, but they're not going to kill each other. Uh, the bold move would have been to have Ellie let her live, you know, like what happens at the end. But uh, I was like, surely they're not going to do all this and then just kill. So I, I it's pretty much what I expected. Um, I thought it was credits for a second. And I was like, no, I was <laughs> like, if she's like, okay, we're going to, I don't ever want to see you again. And then it cuts out to farmhouse, and then you see Ellie learning to live with it six months later, and it's over. I I was like, uh oh. I was like, I'm not gonna like this. Thankfully, it wasn't that. <laughs> Even though it was another three, four hours of gameplay, thankfully it wasn't only that. I love the farm so much, and that's why I love Dina so much. Their relationship felt so natural. JJ, little little Jesse Jr., uh, is the most adorable goddamn video game baby of all time. Um, I love them dancing to the record together and I love like hurting the sheep and then like the clear PTSD. Um, Mm. it's also, I'm almost crying here. The last time she gets to play a guitar, (laughs) um, unfortunately, which man, people are real upset about that, by the way. Like how dare she not be able to have Joel's last gift anymore or whatever. Like, God, it's crazy. But, um, that's the perfect closure of the story with joel you get resolution with him and then she's forced to move on past him and accept what happened because she can't play his guitar nope they want her to get a bionic two fingers in the next game so that she can continue to play guitar yeah (laughs) Uh, i don't to me it's why i hate dina because you know who ellie is don't you fucking get all mad and move out because she has to finish. You know who she is. I still believe that she was there when they got back and they were leaving um, that behind. Or she knew and had already reconciled in some fashion and went back to you know say goodbye to her old life. Um, we don't have to talk so much about the Rattler part. Uh, it's cool. I like... It does a thing, it justifies a little bit of dialogue in the open world section between Ellie and Dina of more world building, where Ellie talked about the Fireflies and Dina hadn't heard of them, and she likened the wolves to the Fireflies, and Dina says something along the lines of, oh yeah, where I was, they were the Ravens, and like, the idea that it's not, like, the Fireflies weren't nationwide, they went to Colorado because that's where the facility was, um to try and find a cure and maybe that's where yeah. El- or abby's father was but they weren't long like nationwide they were a boston area um and then like to find out that no in santa barbara 
it's not the rat or it's not the Ravens. It's not the fireflies. It's the rattlers. Um, I thought that was really cool, but it would be kind really of cool. generic feel, but yeah. Yeah, they're just the Mayans MC of the fucking post-apocalypse. It's basically the Days Gone characters, but better. Um, fucking brutal they are, though. Yeah, they are. The trap and everything else. But the only part to that that I kind of want to talk about is that final fight. As This time you get to be Ellie instead of Abby. Um, Hold on. I'm like, you're skipping oh. over the fact that we got silenced SMG and oh, it's okay. You're right. I'm sorry. The greatest oh. weapon in the game. <laughs> You can just fucking... You're like, stealth? Fuck stealth. <laughs> Done. See, I barely used it. I still can't, I was so happy to get my bow and arrow because, again, I got that rage finder on the bow and arrow right before they took Ellie away from me. And I got it back. And the first time I used it, I was like, oh, my God. This is the greatest thing. I was in that first Rattler section and, like... I pulled out my bow, and there was a dude literally the enti- as far away as he could be, the furthest distance that I could have shot, basically. And I pulled out my bow and arrow, and I was like, I wonder if I could hit it. And I saw that little white dot go down, and I bullseyed that dude. It may have been, like, directly between the eyes. And I was like, oh, the bow and arrow is the best. I It I was so it. satisfying. <laughs> I it a little bit before I realized just how OP the submachine gun was, but when I was going through the house and doing, like, they had chained up uh, uh, runners, and I was setting them free, and I was picking people off. I was doing that with a bow. Then I was like, wait a minute. And I was like, oh, I this thing's, like, real overpowered. I can just snipe and spray and yeah. pray. I can do whatever with this gun. So, it was, it, it was a good time. But, yeah, let's get to the final fight. Uh, and obviously, for story reasons, had to be weakened Abby, because otherwise in a fist fight, Ellie's just not fucking winning. It's so, like, I I can't tell you how much I love what they did with the physical appearance of Abby through this entire game. Like, it's, her physicality is a part of her character, so much so that, like, she was so hell-bent on revenge for her father that she literally dedicated her life to revenge and went from a good-looking young girl who had a boyfriend and had a normal life and everything to this brick but, shit. Owen but, is, is awesome. I fucking love what they did with Owen and, like, everything. Owen is, is fantastic. Yeah, he was but, awesome. Love Owen. But, like, she became this brick shit house built on the idea of revenge and murdering Joel. Um, and then just in a few months of her being held captive, like they could have just had a beaten up Abby and like a cut up and bruised up Abby. But no, she was significant. She barely looked like Abby one because they cut her hair, but two, because she was frail. Like she was, she was, I guess still technically strong looking, but nowhere near what she was. She looked emaciated and weakened and like she had been imprisoned for six months. Like it's like those things that, that to me puts Naughty Dog above the rest. And like, it's why I also immediately when I was done, went to the extras and you could just buy the character models. And like, I just looked at all of them, including the Rat King, which we didn't talk about. And it's okay. I made a note that I was going to go back to that real quick. Okay. Um, but yeah, I loved it. And I so like, I didn't want to kill Abby. Right. Like I, I got in that fight and I wasn't quite like other people who were like, I'm just not going to press the button. And I'm going to let Ellie die a few times because I just don't want to do it. I just played the game because I wanted to have this story naturally. And I think any fail state 
would have like interrupted my immersion in the story a little bit. Um, so I played yeah. through to it, but like I didn't want to. Like when she was, and I had already known she what the haters had called forgave Abby, which she didn't do. But I had already known she let Abby live. But still, when she was holding her underwater, I was like, God, Ellie, please stop. This isn't you. This isn't who you're supposed to be, and this isn't what you should be doing. And don't kill Abby. I don't want to kill her. And like letting her go was such a great move, I think. And like it wasn't forgiving. It was letting go. And it was so important for the progression of of Ellie. And it was it it wasn't until she had that heartbreaking fucking scene with Joel where she finally got reconciliation and she finally got at least the idea that I can have this most important person in my life back it's going to take a lot of work and we're not there yet, but I'm willing to try. And literally a day later, he's ripped from her, her life. Um, it wasn't right. until she focused on the positive reconciliation that she was able to let go of the revenge and try and move on in her life, which she couldn't do before, which is why she risked her relationship with Dina and why she went on this violent rampage that she had no real reason to do aside from just wanting revenge. And it was, it's just, it's such good storytelling. And that's that fight. Did Ellie ever know who her dad was? I don't remember a point in the story where she, I think she knows she's a firefly, but I don't, I do wish that they, she'd had a chance to learn that. So did Ellie ever know who Abby's, um, yeah, I don't. Was. I don't, don't think, remember it. I don't think she does, and that's see that was like Rob's big complaint is that you have these two characters, and yeah, it makes sense what they've done uh, leading up to this moment. But when it comes down to the showdown in the theater first, how is there no dialogue? How is there no anything from Ellie? Even like you stole him from me, or you ruined my life, and Abby you know, yelling back, well, he ruined mine. And like, all like there was no dialogue between them. I didn't need that, but I, I understand. And I, I wonder how they would have written around that. Had it come to the point where she was able to find out that, Oh no, this, like this girl lost her father in the same reason that I hated Joel for so long is because he killed the people who wanted to use me to save the world like they had a lot in common, except for the fact that she killed Joel. <laughs> like I, it would have been interesting to see, but at the same time, I think that it's it's why I don't believe in the forgiveness theory. It's because each of these stories were about them as people growing, like th- them as their own journey. It's Abby learned with yeah. you on that. And, like, I, Abby, yeah, I get. That fight is brutal, though, man. I, yeah. I agree. I played the same way you. I did what I was supposed to, but I didn't, you know, I was like, please don't drown her. <laughs> um, and then you go away and, you know, all the stuff with the end, the rest of the end is whatever. But, it, you know, there's theories abound, but it's it's really it, it's really awesome and how they did it. Um, I do like how the title screen changes and it's clearly Abby's boat and they've gone to. Uh, the place where the fireflies are supposed to be, so they made it. I would love to find out more about that story. I personally don't know if we get a Last of Us 3. I don't think it's absolutely needed. I wouldn't mind like a little Lost Legacy-style half game following Abby yeah. and Lev once they get there. I think I have a great idea for Last of Us 3 if they would use that. I like your uh, idea. I like your idea yeah. a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, Abby needs to be the focus, but I, Ellie, the way you bring back Ellie is, is they find out that they they can redo the cure and it's about 
finding Ellie in the world, who has like moved on with Dina or something, and Abby's got to find find her way back to find her, and then I, then Ellie gets to finally make her choice now that she's got a life, presumably is with Dina and a family. Can she give that up to save humanity? And does she make the same choice Joel does or not? I would love to see that. That's the only yeah. way I want Last of Us Three. Um, otherwise, I think they should move on and just make a superhero game from all those cards. Please, please, I want it so bad. I, I, I really, really fucking want it. I don't know what it would be, but it would be awesome. Is all I would know. <laughs> like I agree. So the two oh. things we didn't talk about, which has been a fuck time, we've talked for like over an hour. So hopefully, if you're still listening, you haven't played The Last of Us, or we've convinced you to, knowing everything about it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, speaking of jump scares, there's two new types of infected in this one. Uh, there were shamblers, and those motherfuckers are gross. Um Never had trouble with them. Thought they were pretty easy, but they were just really gross, and they kind of lumped in out of nowhere. They uh, had the benefit of being scary, like bloaters, but yeah. uh, vulnerable, vulnerable like any other of the regular infected. They still had a head, you could see. Bloaters yeah. were just giant, you know, amorphic or um, whatever the word I'm trying to think of, amorphous blobs, essentially. Yeah. Um, shamblers, you could see the head and you could shoot the head and lo and behold, that takes them out. So they were manageable. Then speaking of amorphous blob, we, during Abby's section, get to play as, get to play against the Rat King, which is both the scariest section of the game and the fucking hardest by far, (laughs) I thought. Man. Um, I knew about the Rat King through Unfortunate, but I didn't really know exactly what was going to happen. I just knew it was coming up, and I was so scared. As I was saying, it was chasing me. I kept unloading ammo on it, and it was doing nothing because it was really just supposed to be a chase scene of me running away, and I was like, God dang it. <laughs> I literally... I had no ammo left when the Rat King died. I had shot everything. I threw every pipe bomb. I had... I, I love was the empty. pipe bombs. That mother's dead. <laughs> uh, but it, it was fun as hell, but that thing was terrifying. Yes. Um, was so that little thing that split off from it, I hunted it down, and it became a stalker that I literally chased down and kept fist fighting. And I was like, I'm going to beat this thing to death. <laughs> um I, the lore of the Rat King, and when I say lore, it's just, again, that, like, believable uh, escalation of what the world is, is so cool to me um, in terms of, like, like an actual Rat King, which is just rats in the sewers who are in one area long enough, um, are so on top of each other that eventually their tails entwine into, un, you know, breakable knots, and they die together like forever attached. These are just the earliest infected. This was the ground zero for Seattle. And they had been in these lower levels of the hospital shut off and never touched for 30 years to the point where they were all eventually, I guess, kind of congregated into one common area. And eventually the cordyceps like started to fuse together and created this rat King style, um, creation. And it was so cool. 
I am still the only person that I've spoken to that has had this experience of I saw the Rat King before the cutscene where he's revealed. No, I found it. You can find him through one of the locked doors when the power's out, then he moves on to another spot. But yeah, I, I totally saw it. You hear him, and then you if you go over where you hear the sound and use your uh, listen mode, you totally see him. Okay, because I, I did that, and I was like, oh, fuck, that thing is huge. And you yeah. just see this, like, it's literally the blob from the end of Inside. Um, like, just, like, you see the outline of it there, and you're like, God damn, I don't want to, whatever that is. I, I, I'm sorry, Yara, you're going to have to lose your arm and die, because I'm not getting this medicine. I'm leaving. Um, if I but, yeah, had the that fight... choice game, I would have. <laughs> But it yeah, it was so cool to kind of see them like morph together, and it was it was just a click. Or, I mean, it was just a uh, um, a boomer and a stalker together essentially, um, and like they kind of fused to each other. And him pulling like his the stalker pulling itself off of the bloater half or whatever is just so gross and so kind of out there cool at the same time. Um, it was one of those things. It was just like man. I really love that they went this way. I'm glad you, you didn't fight five of them. I'm glad that it was just, like, the one. Because um, you even had, like, four or five bloaters in the first game. Like, the biggest, hardest enemies to kill, there was, like, three or four times you play, you fought, you faced them. I love that this was, like, the only one of them. And if they do make another game, which I'm actually of the mindset that I don't necessarily need it, I'm totally okay with with the way this story ended, and I'm happy with my thought of where Ellie might go and where Abby is. Um, but I'm interested to see if they can continue. Cause the, the thing they have the advantage of is like, you have more and more time to develop different things within the way the cordyceps grows. Like, cause that's all it is, is it starts off as just like this thing that is attached to your brain and is essentially made you, you know, mindless and, and rage filled but then it like starts to take over the body and it turns you into a clicker who can't see because the fungus is exploding from your brain. And, you know, it's just the fungus is controlling everything. And then it becomes a shambler who, you know, you can still see the face, but is mostly covered in these hard spores. And then it becomes a bloater. And like, I would love to see what another 10 years of infected evolution looks like. And they have the ability to do that and not make it seem like they're just coming up with something new because the world works that way. They grow more progressively dangerous and powerful as time goes on. So I would be really interested to see that. All right. All right. So we've talked as much as you can about that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. I enjoyed this. I was looking forward to this talk. Uh, last thing, one, one through ten, is this a ten for you? Yeah, this is a ten for me. Having played through two and a half times, it's a 10 for me. Okay. Uh, I think if I had to grade this for like a publication, like even for if we were still doing our website, I think I would also have to give it a 10 just technically and all around. If you take out personal bias, I think you can find, you can nitpick a few. There's very few games ever that are just perfect. I think mm -hmm. Breath of the Wild might be the only one. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, or awkward. Yeah, um, but uh, for me, per like if I grade on like my personal taste, like a nine five, it was a bit long in spots. Um, again, I had a little bit of a jar 
And I, yeah, I've read some other people that have too of like going from that open world spot to the other, even though I got it. Uh, yeah. And then for me, just personally, I don't love the style of gameplay. It's not my favorite type of combat to do. Um, so I really can't dock it like if I was grading it for something official. But for me, it just takes it down just a little bit. Man, it's a fucking great game, man. And it, it's, yeah. Like, it's just like it, it's, 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 it's so a great song, song for the generation, I think. Well, much like the first one was, and I know there's the controversy around our games of the generation list and everything else, but like, I mean, it's really oh, hard shit. to, <laughs> it's really hard to look at this and be like, it is the swan song. And it's really hard to say that that's not like one of, if not the best game of the generation, because it is the culmination of like, how do we use this technology and how do we do something that is on another level than what's been done before? And, you know, we've got that opportunity to see that with cyberpunk later this year as well. But cyberpunk is one of the, like, it, it, it almost saddens me that Cyberpunk is also on next gen. Well, it's cool, um, and I'm excited for that. Like, I almost want Cyberpunk to be the like goodbye to this generation. Um, and it, it almost makes it feel like the generation doesn't really... It, it's why I meld with Sony's philosophy more than Microsoft's, even though I understand and like what Microsoft is doing. Sony is this hard cutoff, like, we... This is our new generation, our games aren't meant to be played backwards. Um, you can't play Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart on your PS4. Um, whereas Microsoft is like, no, fuck it, play it wherever you want. We don't give a shit. Just do it. And it's smart for them, but it makes it feel like the generation really isn't changing over. And this is one of those games that, like, I'm going to remember the PS4 generation and the Xbox 360, or sorry, Xbox One generation because of games like The Last of Us, and it's going to be an indelible memory because of that. I agree. I agree with it. I'm more on Xbox side on that, just because I think it's smart. And oh, it's, it's I like, a I think smart it, business, yeah. Yeah, I think it's open for... It's consumer-friendly. Uh, but no, I totally get from like a bookend standpoint what you're saying on that. Yeah. But we'll talk about that when we eventually do Game of the Generation. Um don't want to do it. Too long. many games to choose from. I still don't know if it would be this. I mean, it's Breath of the Wild, but after that, I don't know if it's this or God of War. <laughs> uh, God of War is above this for me. Uh, that game is like a uh, also like a 20 out of 10. Um, but I do think this is probably my number two game of... It's either this or Uncharted 4. I've, Uncharted 4 has grown fonder in my memory as... It's... I've it's gone so crazy time. to think that, like, it's not an afterthought. It's one of the like best games ever made, but we've just had this run of games this generation that's unfathomably good, and like, it's just not going to stop. They're going to continue to make money, and they're going to continue to be groundbreaking, and more and more people are going to, you know, who grew up on games are going to now go into the industry, and they're going to be super talented. And as long as the economy can recover. <laughs> They're still going to be there. So I'm, I'm, I don't know. I love it. I love this shit. And free for all will be there to cover it on Skype and one day in person. Until we're <laughs> 70 years old playing these newfangled fucking games. You're damn right, man. All right, buddy. That's going to do it for us. Uh, if you're still listening, thank you. Uh, other than that, make sure you listen to the first two shows to hear about all the recent conferences. And hopefully we're going to be getting a lot more news as we go into uh, get closer to the new generation. Uh, and we will see you guys then. Thank you. Bye.
for listening to Free For All, your source for all things geek. We just wrapped up another episode, but we're not done. Stay tuned for more episodes when we make our return next week. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and rate and review us too. That's the best way for new folks to find our show. You can also find us on the Google Play Store, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Don't forget that you can now subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the show as we record, and you can catch our live streams on the Free For All Facebook page. Also, feel free to tweet us at FFA Podcast to keep in touch. Thanks again, everyone, and we'll see you next time.